0: Welcome to Across the Desk, where we discuss entrepreneurship, small business, and everything in between. Hey, it's Elizabeth Plouffe, and uh, welcome to Across the Desk. Today is an episode on Ballsy. Uh, Balsy is a women in business group that I run every month. We have uh, terrific breakfasts, and we also partner with women in tech through Silicon Halton. So that we can deep dive into some technology issues and today we kind of focused on um of course it's september right so the default is to go into learning and things like that and i always like to have some kind of theme some kind of topic to kick the conversation off but invariably we end up um, deviating into so many different things and today was no exception i mean i ended up taking two pages of notes and we were a small group today but man did we cover so much stuff it was awesome So some of the things that came up um, was when you take on a project for your organization, typically you sort of review the project and you create a scope and invariably, you know, something's going to go sideways and you can't always predict, you know, if there's, especially if you're, I guess it depends on what industry you're in, but you can't predict certain uncertainties. And uh, one of our members ended up scoping a project and it was only supposed to take a couple of months and it turned into six months and it created a significant amount of stress on her team. And so what we dove into a bit was what were the silver linings around that experience? Because I think if you are in a situation, it's very easy to to go to the negative space and only look at, you know, the impact it's had on your organization and, you know, perhaps the bottom line of, the project and what have you. And one of my thoughts was, if you have a situation where you're working on a team project and is it an opportunity to potentially identify any cracks within the team? Maybe there are things that you you haven't reflected on for a little while that this brings to the surface and there ended up being some consequences from this project um, on the person who had it happen. And I said, okay, so what lessons did you end up learning from that? And not in a, you know, finger wagging, I told you so kind of way, but I was really intrigued that if you're in that situation, it could be a real learning opportunity. And she was very generous and shared that she discovered, you know, she needs to communicate more with her team and check in with them more because she and I share a similar characteristic that, you know, if I'm not yelling at you, you're doing a good job. And we forget that sometimes people need those moments of encouragement and those moments of feedback where you know their contribution to the success of the project is recognized beyond what you're typically going to do and and that was a really strong lesson for her which was fantastic and it got me thinking as well if you're in a situation where you're working on a project and it has a negative impact on your team uh, and you have to rebuild your team that's an opportunity to make some significant changes within your organization potentially, you know, rather than jumping right in to hiring and and rebuilding that team, maybe it's an opportunity to go, okay, maybe I need to look more closely at what kind of characteristics I want in an employee. Maybe I need to look at, you know, building future opportunity into this hiring where if I get somebody, uh, you know, of a lower skill set that then I can start promoting other people. There's there's a lot of things that you need to look at. You know, what are you building in your organization? What are you working towards when you're hiring somebody? And maybe not just looking at the role, but looking at that role within your organization and the potential for, for different opportunities from that. And uh, so we then sort of diverged into some other things. And <clears throat> one of the things, you know, we're women. So not to go there, but sometimes we devolve into um, chick talk for lack of bitter language. And what we ended up actually talking about was hair. And, you know, it's a weird thing to talk about, but um, I, I don't know. Sometimes I record videos for this, especially when I'm doing my, um, my book reviews. I haven't in a little while, but I will soon. And so what you need to know to make this make sense is that I'm like 75% gray, and white and all those kinds of wonderful colors. And started going gray very young and you know dealt with it and colored my hair and did all this stuff and I promise you there's a point to this. And we started talking about the impact that that has and you know at what point do you do something about it or you not do something about it. And for a long time I dyed my hair. And part of that was I wasn't really ready in my 30s to, you know, have a whole whack of gray showing. I just, you know, societal thing whatever. I don't usually bend to pressure all that much, but for that one I did. And then a few years ago, I decided to grow out the color and I decided to actually see how much gray was there and what my what existed of my natural color and whatever. And turns out actually a vitamin B12 deficiency can create gray hair, which I now have, which I discovered so, you know, not totally stress related. Um so I grew out my hair And this is where it ties back to what we ended up talking about. And I worked with somebody who gray shamed me, who, you know, took a look once all the color had been cut out and the look of horror on her face. Oh, Elizabeth, you just, you just can't do that. And you need to color your hair. And why would you let yourself look so old and this and that and the other? And so I, I'm not often influenced by people's opinions, but when you're trying something new and you're taking a chance on, you know, on bucking the norm and you get that kind of reaction, I don't know about you, but it can potentially influence my, my next actions. And it did. And so I thought, oh, okay, well maybe I've made a mistake and uh, I'm gonna go back to that whole dying my whole head thing. And I did that for a while. And what I found fascinating, like we, we ended up, I've ended up, um, Going through a couple of more periods of letting the color you know go out and just being all gray and whatever and so I started to do some research again I promise you there's a point to this and it was what made gray hair look great on some women and what made it look like shit on other women and what was the deciding factor was the amount of care that the woman took care of her hair which sorry that was a little awkward there but it was the women who had sort of given up and had gone to either growing it out really long and not doing anything to it at all. And personal choice. I'm not judging. You do what's comfortable for you. I was just trying to make decisions for myself. So this was the criteria that it used. And you know, do whatever works for you. Or they went really, really short and and just like no style to it, really, just sat there like a little pixie cap, whatever. I don't know, that sounded judgy too. And then I saw this woman walking in Mapleview Mall. And she had done sort of a reverse ombre, so she had really really dark dyed underneath, but her top and sides, which were about shoulder length, were gray and silver. Just stopped me in my tracks. And I went up to her and I said, "I have to I have to tell you your hair is gorgeous." And you've inspired me to embrace the amount of gray I have in my hair because I see now that it can be fun and funky and doesn't have to make me look washed out and whatever. I can choose to do with it what I want. And so what I've ended up doing is sort of embracing the feedback from the first person's opinion of, ooh, gray makes you look washed out and old and whatever. And I have very pale blue eyes and I have very pale British skin so she had a valid point it kind of sucked all the color out of me which was not great and then I also embraced the influence of this woman who had embraced her gray and done the ombre and whatever and so I've done a sort of mix of the two where front of my head just sort of framing my face is dyed and then the rest of my hair is just is what it is I mean I don't look back there so I have no idea actually what it looks like on a day-to-day basis. Um, but what it got me thinking about when we were discussing this was what level of influence do you allow people's opinions to have over your business and over what you choose to do as far as your career and things like that. And there's certainly opportunity where you should seek out professional opinion and where you should seek out the feedback of those nearest and dearest to you so that, you know, you don't come completely off the rails. But how much is that influence and and what I wrote down here was how much do you allow that to influence you because that somebody's opinion comes down to a choice that you make and to me is tied into how much respect you have for that person as well. So when you have somebody whom you respect who's giving you an opinion I give that some weight and I think okay they've got my best interest at heart potentially and I should really listen to what they're saying and then you have some yapper who is, you know, way down on the totem pole as far as where, what you want to achieve in life and whatever. And they're just, you know, beacon off for whatever reason. How much do you really let that bother you? You know, there's things to do. Um, does it affect your business decisions is what I've got here. How do you come back to yourself? So if it's been a situation where somebody's offered an opinion and it's had an impact on you, do you take the time? to sort of unpack that and figure out why that's had an impact, positive or negative, Um, probably mostly negative. If it's had a positive impact, you're probably just going forward with it and rah-rah you. But if it's having a negative impact and that opinion is now holding you back from pursuing something or it's changed your direction as such that you now feel uncomfortable with what you're doing, how do you evaluate that opinion and decide to incorporate it or decide to negate it and just, you know, keep going forward? And, uh, you know, are you capable during that time to recognize that the opinion that's being given could be just based on that person's discomfort with what you're doing, especially if you're a disruptor? You know, my, my mom, I love her to death. But when I decided to become an entrepreneur, my God, the first two years, are you sure about this? I could never do this. Are you sure about this? I don't think this is a good idea. And it, you know, and I heard that from quite a few people, especially when I went back to school back in 2011. Are you sure I could never do that? Okay, well, you could never do that. And that's totally cool. You do you. Be happy with what you're doing. That's awesome. I'm not judging you. So don't judge me for making a decision and taking charge of my life and, you know, doing a big, scary, hairy, audacious thing. That's me. That's what I do. Um, we moved on. And then we, we talked still again with the opinions about there being an adjustment period Um, and allowing that opinion to sort of sit with you for a little bit, but not necessarily acting on it or reacting to it. And then, you know, sometimes somebody's opinion puts you in a, I'm going to show you buddy situation. And that can be good. If you have been waffling a little bit on taking action on something and, um, and it's a bit big, scary and hairy, then maybe somebody's opinion can spur you to take action and either decide to pursue the goal Or decide to let it go. But at least if it it makes you do something, at least you're moving forward. Um, The other thing we started talking about was separating social media and business. And how, if you have somebody who is a service provider for you, a service provider for your business, or somebody that you seek services from on a regular basis, when you have them on your social media and you run into a conflict with that person, what do you do? You know, how do you handle that? If you're dissatisfied with the service, if you need to change service providers, what have you, it can be a tricky thing. You know, how do you ask for recommendations? How do you pursue other people and have conversations if that person is is following you on social media and you're using that as a tool to uh, seek out this new service provider or change services or what have you? And so, it was an opportunity to discuss the line, which is why I have very few people from my business life on my social media side. Um, there are channels that that's appropriate. And uh, like my Facebook is not one of them. If you want to follow me on my business Facebook, fantastic. I really appreciate that. But my personal Facebook, not often. Very, very rare that I accept invitations from people who are uh, a business person. Because the the Facebook's my my sort of safe space. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a ton of friends, like it's 200 and something on Facebook. And I've I've known each and every one of those people, you know, I may not have seen some of them for 30 years, you know, it could be through public school or high school or something, but I have some kind of connection to that person. I don't accept randoms. I don't, you know, complete strangers reach out. I've got my privacy settings that it's really hard to actually find me. Um, And I did that intentionally. I've got pictures of my kids on my Facebook. And what I choose to share on Instagram, that's a different story. Um, Those are cultivated and those have my kids permission to be on there. Uh, but Facebook is a little different and I let a little more of my personality on Facebook and you know that's not something that all my clients need to see. <laughs> I have a bit of a potty mouth you know different things like that and yeah, nobody needs to see that. So we talked about that and and having the conversations with somebody when you need to change service provider how do you set that up and, uh, and Holly was uh, Holly Simmons was at the Ballsy this morning and she made a really interesting point that I found quite fascinating, which is <clears throat> the stories that you tell yourself are usually 100% worse than what the situation is going to be. And, you know, usually that's driven by guilt or discomfort or what have you on your part about changing service providers and the potential impact on that person and what have you. And she said, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to say, huh. That was an interesting, you know, bit of imagination. Um, I recognize the feeling attached to that but all it is right now is imagination. And I just found that a really powerful statement. Uh, the other thing that came out of that too is that if it's a bit of an adversarial situation and the relationship isn't ending well, you know, you could be halfway through an argument with that person when you and, when, and then you walk into the room <laughs> and that person has no idea why you're so angry. But you've already predetermined what they're going to say. You've already predetermined what their reaction is going to be. And having that closed-minded situation going on and having already predetermined the outcome is very narrowing for continuing that relationship and for having a positive outcome. You know, it's one thing if it's your husband and he's already guilty. You know, you can deal with that later. But when it's a business situation, I think it's always wise to sort of sit back and go, okay going to be prepared I'm going to have the facts but I'm going to keep this business keep the emotion out of it as much as possible and you don't want to be in a situation where it's irreparable unless they've done something stupid and then you know you do what you got to do and what that leads into is one of the last pieces that we talked about which is the erosion of trust and when you've had a negative experience with a service provider either business or personal it starts to erode your trust And you start, and especially if you continue the relationship out of whatever reason, you know, you're always waiting for that person to screw up again. You're always waiting for that person to deliver the wrong service or an incomplete experience or what have you. And my point was, if you don't take the time to have an honest conversation and provide feedback that's constructive and say, you know what, this is what's happened the last couple of times we've engaged, and that hasn't created a good experience for me. And I want to talk to you about that. You know, is this outside of your skill set? Is, is something going on that I need to be aware of? Do I need, you know, do we need to take a break and I go try somebody else for a little while or whatever? And I think anytime you've got a bad experience, uh, you owe it to that person. Depending on how long you've had the relationship, you um, to say, look, this is what's going on and we need to talk about this because I'd like to continue doing business with you, but last few times haven't been great and and we need to sort that out. Uh, and some of that came from um, meeting last night for Autism Job Club for the event we have coming up Hire uh, Hire higher, higher in November. And uh, our members frequently get dismissed from positions, <clears throat> either, you know, volunteer or paid with little to no explanation. And that has a devastating effect, not only on their work ethic, but on their personal psyche, and and it does for anybody. Um, So that really is what drives my need, I guess, to have that conversation with somebody before completely ending the relationship. I think it's got the most integrity as far as handling how, how things go. So what did we wrap up with? So we wrapped up with how often do you go back to your why? Um, and what drives that? What what can be the game changer that you kind of go, okay, you know, is my why still true for my business? And what are the main things that sort of run my why, if you will? And, you know, a few of the things that came up were integrity, legacy, so have you decided to carry on a family business or what have you, pride in delivering uh, a good job and, and value for the money, um, building teams and helping people succeed, and one of the things that came up was really interesting was freedom. And and I hadn't considered this before, that's, which is probably why I was a sucky employee, is that I value freedom. I value the opportunity to pursue an idea, and I value the opportunity to be able to think out of the box. And, you know, my intentions are always it's for the good of the company, but um, Holly made a really valid point that sometimes your vision of what's good for the company isn't consistent with what the leader is moving towards and so you might think that in your small section you're making a positive change when in fact you are you know causing ripple effects that aren't necessarily positive for the whole group Uh, and freedom also involved um, you know having flexibility with time and people and the structure that you have to create and the planning that you have to do in order to have that freedom which I found a really interesting dichotomy value came up a lot, um, which was amazing. And, and that, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and one of the things too is um, being the designer of your own life and how your why can drive that and how pursuing freedom um, as far as making sure that your business runs the way you need it to and that you get out of it what you need and that you also provide the best experience possible for your clients. And um, is is a fascinating thing and I think it impacts far more of our life design than we realize. So today overall was just a fantastic um, conversation and I'll just tie up actually there was one more point that maybe what happens when you are an employee and, and you're constantly running into confrontation or you know I always got in trouble for not following the rules and the process and the whatever else and either you're just a jerk which happens or I like to think now, thanks to this conversation, that maybe it is in fact you have an entrepreneurial spirit that's not being addressed and you have that entrepreneurial mindset and that's just not a good fit for the organization. And there is a trend towards entrepreneurship where this kind of out of box thinking and this kind of uh, freedom for creativity Allows for that entrepreneurial spirit to be active and be positive for the organization and less chafing, less confrontation, less, you know, itch that you end up having to scratch by leaving the organization and starting your own business. So, today was an incredibly um, diverse conversation. The concepts that came up I found fascinating and want to pursue a little more. If you are a woman in business or an entrepreneur in the Burlington area, and you're interested in learning more, you can look up Balsy in Business um, on my MCV Communications page. There is an open MCV, or sorry, Ballsy Women in Business Facebook page. Um, but the group itself is a closed group only because we just want to make sure people that are joining are, you know, relatively local to the Halton area. If you live down in the States, this group has a lot of face-to-face value, so that doesn't really work all that well. Anyway, I hope you are having a fantastic day. Um, I'm talking to you in September. So school's on, summer's almost over. Crazy. Um, In a couple of months, I'm going to have, you know, a sweatshirt on while I talk to you because it'll be chilly and I'll be so excited because Ontario summers are just (laughs) it's just hotter than stink. So I hope you're having a fantastic day. Please check out uh, mcvcommunications.ca. You can check me out on Twitter at uh, mcvcommunications. Instagram is mcvcoms. Lots of different stuff up there. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Across the Desk. You can follow me on Twitter at mcvcoms, Instagram at mcvcommunications, or visit mcvcommunications.ca to see where else I'm hiding out. (laughs)